When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports and Other But Sports with Kent Sterling. Today, our very special guest, the great Steve Aaron, head volleyball coach at Indiana University. How you doing, coach? Kent, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hey, really, really good recruiting class. What's the key to recruiting women well, and especially in volleyball? Yeah, I think uh, the relationships start pretty young. Uh, we're, a, we're a sport that gets verbal commitments very, very young. Um, they've altered some of the rules lately, so contact's a little different now, and we've got to wait till their junior year. Uh, but for the most part, all these kids coming in with this 15th-ranked class we've known for the last year and a half, two years. Uh, we've been counting down the days till we can get them on campus, so we're, we're thrilled. Is Indiana really a good state for volleyball? Yeah, and it's been a stated goal since we got here. You know, in the 40-year in the history or 45-year history of the program, they've had one All-American. Uh, that was Kent Benson's daughter, uh, Ashley Benson, who's a phenomenal athlete, great, great girl, still lives in town. We see her all the time. Um, but really, the state has produced a couple hundred All-Americans in the Division One level for college volleyball. They just haven't played at Indiana. So our goal now is to certainly uh, recruit uh, as hard as we can in the state, uh, make it a viable option for people to come and play here. And uh, we feel really good about where that's headed in the future. How big a deal is Wilkinson Hall? Yeah, it's amazing. It was just the commitment of the program and the school. Uh, you know, you tip your cap to Fred Glass and what he's been able to do over the last decade and facilities and all of the people in Indiana who said, hey, listen, this is going to be one of the nicest facilities in the country for what you do. Um, and they, everything they said, they did, and it, it's, it was huge. We finished 15th in the country last year in attendance, uh, which was also never, ever in the bailiwick of what Indiana Volleyball had done before. So uh, we're breaking a lot of records left and right, and we just hope we keep getting better on the court. How does that happen? How much does your energy infuse energy within the student body and your team for that program? I think it matters, but it's, it takes a village. You know, it starts with the administration and, and their job they're doing. I think the students were phenomenal. Uh, the community really got behind it. This is a really important sport in the state of Indiana. It's one of the top states for volleyball in the country. And there's a lot of people in the state who are really good at coaching, former players, families with moms and dads who might have played growing up. Uh, so I think it's important. I, I've told everyone, Ken, since I got here, I think there's a rightful place for this program amongst the best in the country. And 
it's going to take us a while to get there, but certainly this is a good step forward. How has coronavirus affected your day-to-day, both in terms of recruiting and leading your current team? Yeah, well, it started with, I've got three kids, nine, six, and four. So it started with learning how to homeschool and, you know, uh, deal with uh, a lot of that, which I wasn't very good at. So shout out to all the middle school teachers and kindergarten teachers out there who are underpaid and overworked. Um, No, I think um, our team has been phenomenal, especially these new young kids who uh, they've, they've stayed fit. They've stayed together. I'm really, really proud of the program. Our staff has worked like crazy. Uh, yeah, it's just been at home and, uh, we don't really have any plans to get back in. Our team will report early July. Uh, they'll begin training. Our day is July 8, where they get to start doing voluntary stuff with strength and conditioning, much like football and basketball. Uh, and we'll catch up with them. It looks like in early August and, and get things going. How, how, what are the uh, kind of the mandates from the university and maybe some personal things that you're doing to make sure that everybody's healthy and safe? Well, it starts, I think, with personal decision-making and maturity. I think the girls have been really, really good about it, staying at home, staying fit, uh, not doing anything that's going to jeopardize the program or what we're doing going forward. Uh, you know, as our administration says, we got the best doctors with the best protocols, and our job is to follow it to a T. Um, I think if you've seen the release lately, Indiana's doing a really good job and the, and the kids and the coaches are doing a really good job of, of moving slowly and cautiously, but uh, we feel really good about the plan. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to eliminate all the risk. We know that, but once they get to campus, once we get our hands on them, they're around our medical staff and our trainers and our staff, we feel really, really good about uh, our opportunity to hopefully get a season in. For people who haven't been around women's sports a lot, what's the basic difference in your day-to-day in coaching women as opposed to, as opposed to coaching guys? Is there yeah. one? No, no. I think uh, I, I've coached, I have coached and will coach some of the best athletes in the country. I think their aptitude for work and their ability to um, do things is uh, exceptional. And, you know, the sport, the sport of volleyball is growing so fast. I mean, it's the top uh, female sport in the Big Ten right now in terms of television in terms of fans in terms of uh, growth so you know we're just excited about it I don't think there's that much of a difference I think you know uh, our staff Krista Van Zandt my assistant was the Honda award winner player of the year Uh, Dan and I Dan is my other assistant we both played we played at Penn State you know I appeared in final fours we it's the same concept it's the same game ball still round Um, our approach is very similar it, the Big Ten's really – the Big Ten's terrific in women's volleyball and climbing that mountain to become one of the upper echelon teams in the Big Ten, really, really tough. What's kind of the switch that has to flip for you guys to get there? Yeah, it's patience. You know, like we, we, we bring in a class that's 15th ranked in the country. If IU football had done that, if IU hoops does – you know, people are celebrating. I think people got to understand how hard it was to do. And, and again, it takes a village, so I'm just proud more than anything, but we're going to have to do that for four, six, eight years. Um, there's programs in the Big Ten who have never not had a top 15 class in 40 years. So that's, a, that's the big challenge. I think it's just patience, uh, sticking with the vision. You know, you hope that everyone uh, around the program, administration, fans, community is, is uh, excited to watch the growth and they're patient as well. And these young kids are going to be awfully good in a few years. Is that a big challenge for you? You don't strike me as a really patient guy. You'd like this to get done now. How do you deal with that? Um, I think I've become a lot more patient being a dad. Yeah. I think I've become a lot more patient um, as this is my third uh, institution I've been at that's a real true rebuild. 
So I think you kind of learn from the playbook. You know, I think I'm a lot better than I was five years ago or 10 years ago in terms of how I work with people and work with the players. And, um, you know, seasoned might not be the right word, but I'm getting to the point where I've almost got 20 years under my belt doing this stuff. And I just got to stay committed to what I believe in and stay patient. Is it, has it been an easy process? You mentioned that this is your third stop. You're at, at Penn State and then you're at Maryland, right? Correct. And so it is, is it hard for you to come to a third place like Bloomington and feel like it's home as opposed to a place where you work? Yeah, no, it, it's initially, I think the hard part is when you make the move, it's a new town, you're trying to figure things out. But for me, um, we've been really lucky because Bloomington has been great. The people in Bloomington have been unreal. The kids are at great schools. My wife's really happy. Uh, we've got a really good group of friends now after a couple years, we've been here 24 odd months. Uh, that have been fantastic with us. And, you know, the work is very, very similar. Um, you know, my, fr my first coaching job when I was 21 years old, I was the assistant coach at Auburn in the SEC. And we took over a team that was one in 27. Uh, so, you know, I've been to places and then I've won multiple national championships. So I've kind of been on that side and I've been on the side where, you know, Indiana was one in 19 in the conference before I got here. So you, Maybe I'm just built a little different. I love the challenge of it. I think uh, I'm uniquely positioned maybe with my experience and kind of my expertise to be able to do something and have success in this world. But it's a hell of a lot easier when you take over a Final Four program than it is to do what I've been doing for, for a while. Hey, at, at Indiana, I, I know it's 24 sports, one team. Right. How do the coaches all get along together? Do you guys spend any time together or are you just in individual islands? No, I think, uh, especially during the quarantine, and um, we've been in touch with a lot of people. I mean, I'm really lucky because we've got some people in the department that are flat out brilliant and exceptional at what they do. Um, they've got great energy. Uh, you know, there's coaches I'd like to spend more time with, but we're all so busy. I can say, I can say very, very honestly, I think it's an unbelievable collection of, of coaches. I think what they're able to do uh, specifically, and we, we know the inning and the score, right? It's, it's, it's not Michigan. Uh, it's not Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State, where you know the coffer. You got 34 teams, and the budgets are astronomical. We, but we get we get so much stuff to be able to utilize with the Cuban Center and the fact that they've finished the football stadium and nutrition and sports and um, health and and everything that they bring to the table that you can sit down with a recruit. Like that's the biggest thing with recruiting, Kent is can you sit at the poker table with people and feel like you have a hand that's worth playing? And I don't care what program in the country it is right now. I'm pretty comfortable at the table with what Indiana's provided for me. We're kind of in an interesting environment in terms of race and culture. How, how do you deal with that, especially as they've been gone and now, and now this is kind of bubbled up. Do you deal that with that when they come back or, or is this already something that you've, you've kind of addressed? Yeah, I mean, we were on it with the team early. Um, you know, I'm in a unique situation. I grew up in Canada, and it's such a multicultural, uh, you know, some of my best friends growing up were, were Black, uh, Serbian, Croatian, Greek, Italian. It's just, it was a whole different thing. And sadly, Ken, it wasn't until I got to the United States and certainly in the Deep South uh, early in my career that it was so overt and so blatant. Um, but I, I've been raised, you know, you can't love the culture without loving the people I've been raised. I mean, you see behind me, I'm a hip hop head. I love pro sports. Um, I've been involved with this fight for, I don't know, 30 years now, or at least since I've been grown. 
Um, and my team knows that. And we had really good conversations about it. I think it starts with, you know, the, the problem in general right now, and I've said this before, um, people got to listen and people got to acknowledge that there's a problem. And then you have to do that with the young people. And I think Indiana's done a great job. We're talking about making sure everyone's registered to vote. Uh, talking very seriously about November 3rd being a day where there's no athletic activity at all, where the kids can go and vote and staff members can vote and have their uh, voice heard. And then somewhat ironically, I'm not allowed to because I'm Canadian. So I'm just, uh, I'm a happy, I'm a happy, uh, uh, my wife is American and I'm a happy, I'm happy to be in the, all my kids are American Canadian uh, citizens. So I'm just happy to be part of it, but we're trying to make a change for sure. What was that like for you coming from Canada and going down to the deep South and hearing those things for the first time? Like when I heard things like that for the first time, it took me a minute and I had to like recalibrate and try to figure out what the hell people were talking about. And then when I realized what they were talking about, I I could not believe my ears. Yeah, no, it's a challenge. And uh, the hardest part is speaking up about it or stopping people while they're doing it. I mean, that's, that's the next big challenge for white America or white people in general, because, you know, they talk about this. This is really isn't a black problem. This is a white problem that we need to do everything we can to help them. And from Canada being so, you know, I traveled the world. I played with the national team. I'd been all over the place, uh, competed in Cuba, um, you know, Costa Rica, all over Europe. And then when I went to Penn state, it's such a diverse athletic department, much like Indiana, you never bat an eye and you don't really see or hear anything that matters. Uh, of, signif- of significance. And then, yeah, it changes as you start to grow up, especially in certain parts of this country where they talk about systemic racism and it's overt and it's in your face and nothing has changed, Kent. Everything's getting filmed now because right. of cell phones and cameras and media. And so hopefully they can shine a light on all of it and we can take steps towards equality. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but you know, we protest, my, my nine-year-old daughter and I were at the protest in Bloomington I'm teaching my kids young. I'm, you know, I'm making sure the girls on my team understand the dynamics. Um, when we have an influencer position where we can influence people, we better be using it. One of the things that where people do a lot of talking but not a lot of listening is social media. How, how do you teach your kids to deal with social media, not just your children, but your team too? Yeah, it's so hard, you know, and there's so much pressure on these kids nowadays, and you see it all the time in college athletics or pro sports. You know, if I had a bad match when I was playing in college, no one would care. Right. It wasn't all over the place. But, you know, one of the girls has a bad match or they hit a ball out to lose us a game. You know, not only are they judged on how they look and how their Instagram stuff is, but also how they play. And then people judge them on X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, the good news is I got a really, really good group of kids uh, with really good families. And I think that's the one big part of the the – when you get to the point where you've recruited your whole program and it's not a knock uh, on the kids you inherit any, any of the stops I've been to, but it's a little bit like a step parent, you know, you inherit them, they inherit you and you're working your hardest to get to know each other. The, the difference with the kids you recruit from ninth and 10th grade is you get to really know them as people really know their family. Um, and it becomes a lot more in line with what the vision of what I want to be around the program just makes it a little bit easier. How big a deal are parents as you're recruiting a kid? Huge. I mean, he, I mean, and not so much um, just to be blunt. It's if the parents are a pain in the ass, we'll run. I yeah. mean, I don't, you know, I, or if the parent calls me at any time and says, 
how's my baby doing? What's going on? Can you, I'll talk to them all day long. I'll have a beer with the dad. I'll, I'll do until they start talking about playing time or, and then I'll just hang up the phone and I'll be like, Hey, you, I don't come to your office as an accountant and stare over your desk and start worrying about your numbers, man. Like, let me just, just assume that I'm pretty good at this and we'll leave it there. All right. I got, I got your kid. It'll be fine. Beautiful. Stay safe and uh, go win some championships down there in Bloomington. I appreciate it, Steve. All right, Ken. Good to see you as always, man. Sports, nothing but sports brought to you every day by today's dentistry. And then, of course, Breakfast with Ken every morning at 8 on Facebook Live and on Periscope at 8.15. Also brought to you by today's dentistry. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.